0: You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet, the gift who keeps on giving, hopefully, this is July 15th, 2021, episode 100 of season 3, episode 165 of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about the interesting juxtaposition of Cuba rejecting communism, America embracing it. Right now in Cuba, the people who have lived now for how many generations three generations under communist dictatorship under the castro brothers and now this new guy who apparently is not as charismatic or is not as much of a name brand household name as his predecessors these communist dictators in cuba these strong men these autocrats these totalitarian evil corrupt dictators have oppressed the country for decades they have been a thorn in the side of the united states of america they have been a satellite for the sa- for the soviet union for communist russia the cuban people are finally over it. They have gotten fed up with being poor, with being oppressed, with being mistreated, with being defrauded, with being disenfranchised, with being silenced, with being oppressed. And they are attempting to overthrow this communist dictatorship. What will come of that? God only knows. Will anything come of it except for persons being brutalized still further by their government in Cuba. God only knows. But it is odd to me, and this is what I want to talk about today in this episode, it is odd to me to see headline after headline, story after story this week, in which America is embracing communism, and Cuba is trying to throw off communism. Black Lives Matter issued a statement, the organization, I should say, the corporation of Black Lives Matter issued a statement denouncing the United States of America for having mistreated the Cuban people. Go figure. When the Cuban government, when the communist dictatorship in that country oppresses, brutalizes, terrorizes, its own people. It's America's fault. Is there anything to the left which is not the fault of the United States of America? What would they blame? Who would they blame if the United States of America just disappeared tomorrow? If we just vanished like Brigadoon into the mists, appeared in a different century down the road every day, invisible to all outsiders don't happen to stumble onto us, who would the left blame if they couldn't blame America? Prominent socialists, or you could just say communists, socialist is a euphemism, prominent communists in America like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have taken this opportunity of Cubans protesting in mass against their government being brutalized by that same government by its military by its police forces these communists in america have taken the opportunity to denounce america for having embargoed this communist dictatorship you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't apparently if you try to invade the country and throw off this dictator this criminal this strong man, this tyrant off our shores, then you are an imperialist, capitalist pig. You are the oppressor. If you say, we're going to put economic sanctions on your country until you straighten up and fly right, until you stop brutalizing your own people, until you stop trying to cause trouble for our people, until you stop threatening our people. If you embargo Cuba, then, again, you are the problem. You are the oppressor. You are the imperialist, capitalist pig, America. What is it exactly that they want us to do? Well, presumably, they want us to lift all economic sanctions, to validate the communist dictatorship in Cuba, to trade with Cuba fully, freely, perhaps even give aid to Cuba, redistribute our own wealth, send it overseas, send it literally over the ocean to Cuba. They want us to underwrite the communist dictatorship of Cuba. For that matter, they want us to underwrite every country in America which does not have the material prosperity that we do And all the while, they miss the forest for the trees for why America has that prosperity to begin with. It isn't all just that we have the natural resources which we have allegedly stolen from other peoples. It isn't all just that we are clever and have come up with technology ex nihilo from nothing, out of nothing, for no reason. We didn't build that. You don't deserve to take credit for that if you make an invention, if you build a successful business, if you come up with a good idea, if you make advances in science, in medicine. The reason why America has been prosperous is because we had embraced good ideas, sound principles, truths, universal truth. The laws of the universe, which the God of the universe who created all things instituted, In his wisdom, he made the universe operate under certain principles. And even when we only acknowledge God with our lips and our hearts are far from him, there is a practical benefit to abiding by the laws of the universe, the laws of reality. Insofar as we have had a free market system, we have had men who have taken advantage of the free market in unscrupulous ways but we've also held men who broke the laws of God and man accountable when they do such. We have had inequity, inequality of wealth, of income, of power, but that is reality. That is not a feature of America only. That is a feature of reality. What you're Angry about is not America. What you're angry about is reality. That reality does not match your ideology. Your pie in the sky fantasy world, you communists, think that reality should be what you feel. And insofar as communist dictatorships go down that road to nowhere, to utopia, utopia is literally a word which means nowhere, no place. It doesn't exist. It's not real. It's illusory. It's a fantasy. It's a dream. Insofar as communist dictatorships go down that road, they never get there. And the longer they go on and the more of a concerted, organized opposition there is to their tactics in trying to get to nowhere, the harsher and more severe they get, and the more often their leaders on behalf of the people, live high on the hog. So you have disparity, you have inequity, inequality in a communist dictatorship. The theoreticians in this country who wish so badly to have communism here have never really truly lived in the shoes of the people who are citizens by birth of communist dictatorships. You don't get communism, quote unquote, of the people without a strong man who stands up and claims legitimacy and authority from the people. He speaks on behalf of the people. He lives in luxury on behalf of the people. If he has a mansion, it's not his mansion, it's the people's mansion. You just have to rebrand everything and then you can eat the richest foods available. You can sleep on the softest mattresses under the most plush blankets available. You can drive the nicest, shiniest, fastest, most expensive cars, all in the name of the people, because you are not a person defrauding your country, being corrupt, being brutal, being selfish and an egomaniac. No, no, no. You are the people embodied. In ancient times, very often we find that cultures like Egypt, for instance, believed that their king, their emperor, their pharaoh was the embodiment on earth of their chief god. The Romans venerated their emperor's for hundreds of years as gods. The ancient Egyptians venerated the pharaoh as a god. The Japanese venerated their emperor as a god. And so it's interesting when you realize that there is no new thing under the sun, as Solomon says, and you look at communist dictatorships, which are inherently atheistic. Karl Marx, the man most responsible for the creation of this idea of communism, was rejecting Judeo-Christian truth claims about the nature of reality at their root. He rejected the idea that God created, that God rules and reigns, that God sets the standards. If you just reject the scriptures entirely, then you can make up anything you want. Reject ultimate authority residing in the God of heaven, the God of creation. And then you can become the ultimate authority because that's what it was really about for him. That's what it was about for his acolytes, the men who followed in his footsteps and adapted his worldview, his view of economics, culture, governance, They become the highest authority, and you cannot question them because to question them is akin to blasphemy. The way that communists regard those who disagree with, contradict, or seek to oppose in any way the communist dictator very much resembles Spanish inquisitions, persecutions of religious difference throughout history. The reason why religious differences have been persecuted throughout history is because people in all times and places have recognized that the religious component is inseparable from how you arrange society, the family, the economy, how your military functions, how the state functions, how laws are enacted, enforced, or not very much depends on the coherence of our worldview. That's a big part of why I talk on this program about everything because what we need to do is we need to think of the various subjects which we can learn things about and seek to understand. We need to think of all of these things as a way of developing a worldview. And we have to be careful because the worldview we develop might not accord with reality. It's often been said that insanity, by definition, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, the reason for that is sanity, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, has to do with your beliefs matching as closely as possible reality, the truth. If I believe that I am a purple unicorn, from the planet Venus I am a crazy person when all of society celebrates me for believing that I'm a purple unicorn from the planet Venus then we have collectively lost our minds and we become very quickly a people impossible to govern unproductive futile in our thinking this is a large part of what the Apostle Paul is writing about in Romans. When he talks about they became wiser than their own eyes, they became foolish and their foolish hearts were darkened. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. We reject and make war on reality in part because we don't have what we want. We're not content with what we have. We want and we don't get what we want. And so then we become bitter. Like Cain was bitter against Abel, Abel had not sinned against Cain by offering his offering to God and God accepting Abel's offering, but Cain took it personally that God had accepted Abel's offering and had rejected Cain's offering. That's exactly what you have going on playing out with communists in America who are bitter, jealous, covetous, envious, discontented. And at the root of all of it, it's not that they're angry with somebody who is wealthy and successful. At the root, deeper than that, they're angry with God. And that's why communists are so often atheists. As a rule, find me a communist worth his salt who believes in God, who is a theist. Right now in America, you have the mixing of Christianity with the ideas of communism. And when you challenge the people who are doing this mixing or attempting to do this mixing of Christian theology with Marxist ideology, when you confront them and you say, that is communist, what you're proposing, what you're advocating is communism. You didn't get that from the scriptures, You're trying to eisegeat. You're trying to read that into the scriptures so that then you can claim the Bible demands this and any good Christian is going to embrace it. Repeat after me, inequity proves oppression. If you confront those people, they say that you're being divisive. You're being contentious. Might I suggest to you that The real danger here, the existential threat is not Christians like me, students of history, students of politics, students of government, students of God's word, moreover, saying communism is a nightmare. Communism is a meat grinder. Communism will destroy our country, will destroy my family except by God's grace. Communism will destroy Christ's church, except by God's grace. It will take a miracle to save us. And perhaps that's God's will. Perhaps it's God's will that this folly is embraced and championed. If that's God's will, I'm content towards God that he puts us in the midst of these trials. I might have a hard time maintaining that contentment, but that is my goal. That is my Commitment to maintain that contentment, to be contented towards God, saying that this is my lot. If God says it's my lot to live in a country in which I see plainly what's happening and can do nothing about it because this is just the way it's going and God's permitting it to happen, if I am content towards God, then I'm looking for ways to faithfully serve God, to love Him with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind and to love my neighbor as i love myself which are the first and greatest commands according to christ even the religious leaders who were trying to trip him up had to acknowledge and agree no yeah, you're you're right well said amen we can't fault you for that you're right those two sum up all the law and the prophets and you can look at that and you can say oh well that's kind of a odd kind of love or you can look at that and you can say ah wait a second Now I understand better why God gave the laws that he did. Even the laws concerning warfare, which we talked about in episode 97 and 98 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet show earlier this week. War crimes and genocide in the Old Testament, I recorded July 11th. Old Testament laws of warfare, Deuteronomy 20, I recorded July 13th. Even when God gives commands concerning war, which seem to us harsh, which seem to us brutal, even those laws, according to Jesus, can be summed up with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. The counterintuitive for naive people, and I don't say naive people to be unkind or mean. I really don't. I'm not trying to hurt you when I say that some of you are very naive when it comes to the nature of reality. Because we have lived in America, in a country which has been prosperous and relatively peaceful and relatively insulated, almost, again, like a miracle, except for the grace of God. There go I also, there go we also, there goes our country also, but for the grace of God, there go I also. We've grown up in this country where even though we see images of warfare on the TV and some of us even go And serve in the military for a number of years and do some deployments. I've had a lot of family members that have served in the military, and they come back and I hear stories and I read. I try to study so that I can understand that and I can be as much of a help to them from a position of understanding as possible. When it's my brother in the Marines, when it's two brothers-in-law in the Army, when it's various cousins in various branches, various friends in various branches. They have a taste of what the rest of the world is like at its worst. Just like law enforcement and EMTs and firefighters here at home domestically, they see people at their worst. They see people on their worst days, whether their worst days are heartache and loss and pain or malice, corruption, evil. And the rest of us, by and large, to our shame, are content for all of that to be concealed from us. We're content to live in this fantasy world in which we don't ever have to reckon with the problem of evil. And I don't mean the problem of evil in terms of how can God be good if he allows pain and suffering in the world. What I mean is the problem of evil Why is it that God, in his mercy, permits us to live, given our corruption? It's not God who's on trial here. It's us who's on trial here. Let's get that straight. But those of us who are self-indulgent, who are uninitiated, who are naive, don't look at that and don't feel uncomfortable with insulating ourselves. We're content for emergency first responders domestically and abroad to deal with that, to reckon with that problem of human suffering so that we don't have to. In the case of Cuba, have you looked at the images? Have you looked at the footage of a people living under communism? Have you looked at that people now trying to get out from under communism? Three generations in? Four generations in, have you looked at the hard reality and asked yourself what our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will have to endure if we don't take seriously this red menace unfolding before our eyes in America? I am so disgusted, and I do believe it is a righteous indignation. I would argue that point if anybody objects and says, ah, no, you need to let go of that. Jesus, 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 focus on the gospel. How about this? Repent. There's the gospel for you. Repent, Marxists. Repent, communists. Repent, abortionists. Repent, you covetous malcontents who grumble against God and man. Repent, you unreasoning animals, before you destroy yourselves. There will be a reckoning. God is slow to anger, but... His anger does not sleep forever, and he is not only a God of mercy. At a certain point, judgment comes. Repent. And those of us who are naive and averse to seeing these things without minimizing them, without downplaying them, we need to repent too. A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Meditate on that. A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I'm not talking, and I don't think the passage is talking first and foremost about financial wherewithal. I don't think it's talking first and foremost about leaving a fat stack of cash for your grandkids. Leave a godly legacy for your children. Love your wife, men. Love your husband, women. Love your children, mothers and fathers. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. Right now, Cuba is our neighbor, and Cuba is trying to regain what is rightfully its own. See, the problem, if we look at this with a very superficial understanding of Romans 13, we misunderstand and we misapprehend our responsibility. You see Cuba trying to throw off a communist dictatorship, and the useful idiots will say, well, that is the government. And Romans 13 says, Romans 13 says what? What does it say? Have we studied that diligently so that we can rightly divide the word of truth? So that we can be workmen who are not ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth means you take a look at what the government, the governing authority's responsibility is before God. Why is that governing authority instituted among men to reward those who do good, to punish those who do evil. What happens when the government punishes those who do good and rewards those who do evil? What happens when the government itself becomes the primary threat? What happens when the government itself is doing the most evil, all in the name of utopia, going nowhere? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, and that includes on the one side... In this context, those who are trying to take us to utopia, to this communist, Marxist, Leninist, Stalinist, Maoist place of equity. Satan is the father of lies, and communism is chock full of lies. Lies in the name of what is supposedly the greater truth, the greater good, and that is That we can have it all. We're doing an end run around coveting what belongs to our neighbor by just empowering the government, either actively or passively, to take what belongs to our neighbor. And even if we don't get a cut, so long as our neighbor doesn't have it, we don't have to envy him. Deliver us from temptation, deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the power. The irony of ironies is that in Texas you have, what, four dozen Democrat lawmakers who have fled to Washington, D.C. this past week so as to deprive the Texas state legislature of quorum so their vote cannot be taken on election reform bills. The vote cannot be taken. They don't want it to be taken because they don't have the votes. And they do all of this in the name of defending democracy, supporting the right of the people to be represented, and they cheer themselves on, and they load onto a private airplane, fly to Washington, D.C., live it up, and the Democrats in D.C. applaud them because what they really want more than anything is power. Michel Foucault was not all wrong. Sometimes, truth claims, are nothing more than a will to power. Niccolo Machiavelli was not all wrong. Sometimes the prince does pretend at virtue, meanwhile, behind the scenes, having free hands to do whatever is useful to getting, expanding, retaining, consolidating power. The tell, the giveaway, is that the Democrats are loath to recognize people who have been disenfranchised in Cuba. They're loath to support the real reason why Cubans are protesting en masse their government. The Democrats don't want less communism. They want more communism. They're loath to condemn Cuba's communist dictatorship on the grounds that it is a communist dictatorship. They flirt with communist China. They flirted with Communist Vietnam, communist Korea, communist Russia. Now, with communist Cuba, what they want is more leftism, more communism. Once more, with feeling. But here's what we need to be doing. And I'll leave you with this we need to be studying politics and the science of government. We need to be studying Romans 13 for more than just permission. To do nothing because we're actually just very afraid of losing popularity with our friends who are of the left, our coworkers, who are of the left, potential recruiters, recruitment opportunities by people who are infatuated with AOC and Bernie Sanders. We need to, lead, we need to let that go. We need to let go of that fear and fear God rather than man. Study Romans 13 for more than just a permission slip to be passive and to knuckle under. Read Romans 13 for what it says the responsibility of the governing authority is as God's minister to reward those who do good, to punish those who do evil. If we forget the difference between good and evil, and we call good evil and evil good, God's word says, Woe to us. Woe to us. What that is talking about is consequences, a curse, judgment, not just for us, for our children and our children's children. Woe to us. We're not talking about a little bit, we're talking about a lot of bit. Woe to us. We should be studying government. We should be studying how to conduct our own affairs with discipline, decorum, dignity, how to let our yes be yes and our no be no. How to not have skeletons in our closets. How to keep control over our own spirit. How to be self-controlled. How to be self-governing. Self-control is just another word for self-government. And it is one of the fruits of the spirit. It is fruit of the spirit to be self-controlled. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. We need to be studying to show ourselves approved workmen who need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and here's what i predict if god mercifully delivers us from our enemies and we do have enemies really and truly here in america who hate us as christians and even when we just have the vestiges of the Judeo-Christian worldview by virtue of being products of Western civilization and thinking that that's not such a bad thing. These people hate us and they are our enemies. They want us to either surrender or die. We need to be paying attention to how we orient our families, how we manage our business, how we manage our finances, toward the end of loving God and loving one another. We need to be servants of the Most High, calling for repentance when that's appropriate, calling for revival and let it begin with us. And if we will do that, and if we will be students of minding our own business and comprehending more fully what is in fact our business, then here's what I predict. If God delivers us from our enemies, we're going to need New leadership in this country. We're going to need people who know how to balance a budget. We're going to need people who know how to operate with integrity, who know how to be content. When I say content, I mean that we are not power hungry. We are not greedy for unjust gain. We are faithful stewards of what has been entrusted to us. That starts with being faithful stewards of what God has entrusted to us because we know From what Jesus taught and promised that he who is faithful with a little will be faithful with much, will be entrusted with more. The one who is faithless with a little will have even what little has been given to him taken away and given to somebody else. If we bury the talents which the master has entrusted to us in a field, if we squander them, if we hide our light under a bushel, God will take that little bit away and give it to someone else who will be a better steward of it. But if we are faithful with what God has given us, if we demonstrate that faithfulness in our home by loving our spouse well, husbands, loving your wife well, leading her well, loving her holistically, if we're loving our children well, leading them well, training them well, managing our own household well, That's what qualifies us for leadership in the church. And by extension, if we've qualified ourselves for leadership in the church by exercising good leadership in the home, then perhaps, maybe, just maybe, by God's grace, we have an opportunity to serve our community more broadly. But all of that is in God's hands to a greater or lesser extent. What our lot is, is to be content with what God ordains. The circumstances he puts us in, and to be faithful to him and to his word. To say only what is true, to not flatter, to not be afraid of men, to fear God, to operate judiciously. Be praying for the people of Cuba, be praying for this country, the United States of America. We have some very real soul searching to do, and may God Grant us mercy. We should be putting on sackcloth and ashes, methinks. Not celebrating how proud we are of our rebellion against God. We should be having days of fasting. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That's all I got for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless.